Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host, and we are on to another episode. Our guest today is Mickey Bast, and he is the co-founder of the recovery community, Ben's Friends. This community is dedicated to helping people who are in the food and beverage industry seek recovery and support when they're struggling with addiction, and they don't want to give up their lives and their careers in this industry. Mickey shares a little bit of his own story and some of the unique struggles that come with working in the restaurant community and why Ben's friends can be so helpful for someone who is struggling. It was great talking with Mickey. I really enjoyed our conversation and I love his passion for helping these individuals who are struggling with addiction. All right, let's go ahead and start this episode. All right, everyone, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My guest today is Mickey Baxt, and he's going to talk about a little bit about his own story, I think, and a little bit about his community, Ben's friends, and how that came to be and everything like that. So, Mickey, please introduce yourself. Dwayne, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, hello, audience and everybody out there. My name is Mickey Baxter, as Dwayne said. I am the co-founder of an organization called Ben's Friends, which was created to help struggling addicts in the food and beverage industry find sobriety. I am a 47-year veteran of restaurants, mostly high-end fine dining. I am 38 years sober, and I'm going to take you back to Ben's friends. Uh, you know, for me, in terms of my history, I got sober at 30 years old. From 16 to 30, my life was nothing but a living hell. I'm not going to go into details. It's boring, and you've all heard the story. 
Uh, I did die from an alcohol and uh, drug overdose on an emergency room table. They found me in a hotel room after four days of nonstop, round-the-clock drugging and drinking. They opened up the door, thank God, because they didn't know what was going on. And I died on an emergency room table. As a result of that, they found me just in time. I thought that that was the end for me, as they told me that if I drank or drugged again, there was a good chance I might die. It scared the living hell out of me. And three weeks later, they found me on a street corner in the middle of the night, stark raving mad. And I woke up in a straitjacket in a nuthouse. That's the summary of my addiction. That's where my addiction led me. I lost my business. I lost my home. And I lost anybody who cared anything about me because I no longer cared. I found sobriety. My route was AA. I had a real struggle with AA at the beginning for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, everybody back then told me, as they still do, that I needed to leave the industry I love. So here I was being stripped of my best friend, alcohol and drugs, stripped of my social time, alcohol and drugs, stripped of what kept me alive, alcohol and drugs. And now I was being told I couldn't do the one other thing that I happen to love, serving people. So I had a real issue with that, but I struggled through it because there was nowhere else to go back then. And I also, very frankly, had a very difficult time with the God concept that AA had. Here I was, 30 years old. I was going into rooms with people that looked like me. By the way, I'm 69 years old, and I'm one of those old white guys that I say AA is old with. And I had, a, I had a very difficult time. To this day is not a thing to me. For me, we is, which will help you understand Ben's friends. But regardless of my objections to AA, I knew there was no other alternative if I wanted to live back then. And I threw myself in, taking the pieces that I needed and leaving the rest, which I still highly recommend to countless people. Right? So, so did you, because you said you worked in the restaurant industry, and Ben's Friends is about supporting people in that industry. But at the time, did you did you have to walk away from that industry to get sober? Or did you do it while you were in the industry? Because it sounds like you loved it. I did it while I was in the industry. As I said, I took parts of AA that worked, and I didn't listen to everything. Um, right. I love the restaurant industry for 47 years. I still love the industry. I love the people. I love the camaraderie. I love the energy, the excitement, the stress. I love it all. And I couldn't quit. So when you say you poured yourself into it in the beginning, so to speak, no pun intended, you you went into AA just completely, but took what you needed. I, I went into AA completely. AA is a 12-step program. I modified some of those steps to fit my needs, right or wrong. The second step 
of AA is we came to believe that a power greater than us could restore us to sanity. Most people think God. I thought the group. We The step three was came to believe, uh, uh, turned our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood it. I chose it to turning my will and my life to those who had been sober and successfully doing it and listening to the things that they said. So I sort of modified. Go on, Dwayne. You've got questions. Yeah, I've got questions because I think the the one part that you said, which is so important, is you reach this point where you just put yourself into the work, so to speak. However, it's modified, however it changes. But there was this moment for you, you said, I'm going to commit myself to all of this work. Well, there's a, there's a, you know, the third step of AA, the most, uh, you know, the, the two things from the steps of AA that resonate with me and still to this day affect how I deal with Ben's friends, which I'll get to. First, the first word of the first step is we. On my own, I couldn't break my addiction. I needed help. I needed the camaraderie of others who understood what it was to be on my knees, fondling a bottle of booze like it was the greatest lover I ever had and desperately wanting to not take it, but needing to take it. So I needed we. And then the second phrase that I believe is the beginning of the third step says, made a decision. Nothing happened for me until I made a decision that for me, I wanted to live and I knew I couldn't live the way I was. And so when I say threw myself into AA, I went to meetings daily. I associated myself with AA people. I listened to people who were wiser than me, who had multiple years of sobriety. I laugh now because I'm 38 years sober, and when I came into AA, my sponsor, which is sort of a guide, for lack of better words, for somebody who doesn't understand, was 37 years. And that really was an emotional year for me, thinking of Ray. I listened to many of the things he said, and he helped me guide myself to where I could manipulate or, or, or work with the pieces that worked for me. I did the steps of the program. I, I believe today that the 10th step, which is continue to take personal inventory, is part of the foundation of my sobriety. But I don't do AA speak as much. I'm not into the God thing. I really don't go to meetings anymore of AA. Right. I'm friends, friends all the time. So I went to AA, I got sober, and then I'm going to take you to Ben's friends. Um, I went public with my sobriety at 12 years sober in uh, 1994. And uh, national magazines and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I lived in the very top chair of dining. I lived with the celebrity chefs. I partied with those that people see on TV and books of and the insanity of what was going on was all over. 
I mean, the amount of drugs and alcohol that that people did was just crazy. And I watched people destroy their lives. I watched people die. And I watched people ruin their careers because of alcohol and drugs for years and years and years. And I was always out there, unlike AA, I'm not anonymous, nor is Ben's friends. I always was out there trying to set an example for those that wanted to get sober. I say with great pride, many people through the years came to me for this industry. But I have a partner. My co-founder is a gentleman named Steve Palmer, who owns a restaurant group called the Indigo Road Group. And he and I would meet on a regular basis for breakfast. And every time we met, we had another story. We're in Charleston, South Carolina. We had another story about another person who had just died or destroyed their careers. And we kept saying we had to do something, but we were both too busy. And then in 2016, the Charleston Food and Wine Festival occurred. And over the course of 36 hours, three young restaurant people in their early 20s overdosed from drugs and alcohol if between Friday night and Sunday morning. One of them had actually cooked a dinner, a lunch for me on Saturday with some celebrity chefs, and he was riding high that night. He didn't make it through his drug-fueled binge. And Steve and I, Steve and I got together brokenhearted and said, we got to do something. We were still too busy. Three weeks later, a young man working for Steve by the name of Ben Murray took his life after five attempts at getting sober. And Steve, oh my goodness. Steve came to me broken. And that moment, we both decided we were going to do something. And we went to the local media, and we didn't have a name at the time. And we said, Steve Palmer and Mickey Baxter are going to be at this location every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock for anybody in our industry struggling with drugs and alcohol. In the first meeting, 25 people showed up. Wow. And we were blown away. And I would imagine in the restaurant industry, like you were saying, I mean, alcohol, serving alcohol is such a big part of, of the industry. It's about entertainment. It's about fun. It's about excitement. And so... Uh, I, I would imagine if you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, it would be a hard industry to be in because you're going to be around it all the time. Well, you know, I, I'm fond of saying alcohol's everywhere. Unless you, you can go anywhere. You go in New York at five o'clock and you see lawyers lined up and accountants lined up drinking. But you're absolutely right. Our industry is particularly and by the way, figures have anywhere from 17 to 24 percent of restaurant workers around the country having issues with alcohol and drugs. We are, wow. along with coal miners and construction workers, depending on the study you read, the number one, two or three highest rate of drug and alcohol addiction industry, every study done every study across the board. 
you know, we're in an environment where there's booze all the time. We're in the environment where our hours are very strange. People get off of work at five o'clock. They have hours to unwind. They can go to the bar. They can go to a restaurant. They can hang with their friends. They can be with their families. Our people get out at 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4 in the morning. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. We live in a world where while you're partying and celebrating 4th of July, we're working. While you're having Christmas with your family, we're working. We are living and working ridiculous hours in high stress. People, I, I did a talk last night. You know, people go, what? They're just serving food. Let me tell you how stressful it is, especially these days, with how customers are being around the country. It's stressful, and you got kitchen. Drugs became a part of our lifestyle. We're the only industry where drinking and drugging is the norm. It's accepted. I found, right, right. I found sanctuary. by I could be passed out behind the bar, and nobody thought anything except, you know, maybe he just partied a little too much. But there wasn't too much thought behind it. Our industry creates that kind of atmosphere where it's readily available and we have a real onslaught. So going back to Ben's friend's question, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, you know, the first meeting had 25 people. You didn't have a name yet. You didn't, you just said, we have to do something. And here you have 25 people showing up to this first meeting. Yeah. Well, Charleston is a big food and restaurant town. This is really arrogant what I'm going to say, and I apologize to your audience in, that, in advance. But the reality is my name and Steve's name were very big names in the food world in Charleston. So it gave us a, a bit of, you know, it, it people were, wow, if they're there, we could come. And that was a great starting point. Somebody came from Raleigh to that meeting and said, we want to start a meeting in Raleigh. Let's do this. What we provide, and now, now by the way, for your audience, we're in 16 cities live. We have a national Zoom meeting every day at 1 p.m. We have three late night meetings national on Monday, Thursday, and Saturday at 11 p.m. Eastern time. And we have a women's and a men's meeting every week. And wow, people wow. are coming from all over the country. Here's what I didn't have when I joined AA that Ben's friends often. People didn't understand my lifestyle. People didn't understand the stresses that I had, the, the tension in my workplace. Ben's friends is a community. We don't have a program. We push AA, to be very frank. We also push whatever route the person wants to use, whether it's recovery dharma, as I know you had them on, or any other thing. But what we absolutely, at the forefront of what we do, is creating a community of people who not only understand the addiction, but understand the life that the F&B worker is living. 
And it's amazing the bonds that have been created. People who have never seen each other now come. I have people come to Charleston that I've never met in the flesh that I truly feel like one of my closest friends now. I've never met him. And wow. yet we text wow. each other every day because we share the same bond. It sounds like you really created a community where people can really understand each other. And as you were talking, I, I was thinking, you know, here in this industry, everybody is struggling, right? There's a, there's a high level of alcohol abuse and, and drug abuse, and yet everybody's together, yet no one's talking about it. And it sounds like when you both finally said, hey, we're here, here's a meeting, it gave people permission to start to talk about what's already there that people were already struggling with. They just needed to know it was safe to do it. And it Absolutely. sounds like Ben's friend creates that safe space where it's like, hey, we understand. I agree. You summed it up well. It really is just exactly as you said. We, and we love it. All of my years of AA, and listen, I am a giant proponent of Alcoholics Anonymous. I have some friends that I have been friends with for 38 years because we came into AA together or right around the same time. And they are part of my heart and soul. As close as I have relationships, never have I felt the community that Ben's Friends is creating around the country. It's mind-boggling to me. And how, how long has Ben Friends been active? 2016, and we had, prior to COVID, we had 11 cities that we had started in. But now that we have the national, I mean, we've had people from London, from, from England, from Canada, from Australia. People stopping in. Hey, mate, I love talking restaurants with people, you know? I mean, right, it's right, fabulous. right. It's fabulous. So, how, how does Ben Friends reach out to people and, and how does Ben's Friends get in front of people so people to know that this is a resource? Well, we go to people like Dwayne Osterland and we do these kind of speeches. The answer is we have hired a national PR firm. We've been written up in Food and Wine, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today. We keep pushing. We have a social media platform that has really taken off and brought us a lot of people. I think, you know, it's a lot of word of mouth in the industry, people talking to each other. There's a national, national network. Steve and I use every opportunity to scream about it from the rooftops, you know, and it's slowly like tomorrow I'm speaking to the U.S. Guild of Brewers, you know, beer makers. Uh, wow. last, week, last week I spoke to one of the largest coalition of salespeople for the largest liquor company in the country, and I asked them to spread the word. And it's spreading. We're getting calls from everywhere. Go ahead. I was just wondering, as you're talking about, you know, talking to brewers and all of that, what is it like to talk 
openly about addiction to this, you know, the thing that they're making. I, I would just be curious about that because I wonder if at times was there a taboo to talk about that as you're making a substance that not not that the substance is bad itself. I just wonder how, how that dynamic plays out. Well, I hope I answer this properly. You know, we have winemakers who are inventors friends. We have distillers who are inventors friends. We have brewers inventors friends. And we have sales people inventors friends, bartenders. You know, we are not opposed to alcohol, any of us. We, right. I happen to love my wine cellar, which my wife drank through <laughs> during COVID. I love pouring somebody a glass of wine. I love the romance, the magic of that. But I understand that I can't do it. But I certainly encourage anybody who can, too. For the people like the distributors and the distillers and the winemakers, you know, we're working with the Napa Valley Wine Association to spread the word. We are there for those who have crossed the line. But we're not there to say there's anything bad with it. I don't see anything wrong with alcohol. It's a tool in my trade. Alcohol is nothing but another tool like the decor, the music, the food. It's a decor. It's a tool to make an experience. And I'm 100% for it. Do you think that like, well, I'm trying to imagine how hard it would be for someone who you know, I, I used to brew beer and, and it was so much fun to brew it and make it and, and, and create it. And it was just an incredibly fun process to do. And I'm thinking about others who, you know, they love this process. They love crafting this because it, it's almost like an art form. And then they have this struggle internally with the substance that they, they're passionate about making and how hard that would be to get support and how something like Ben's friends would be that make it okay to say, look, I got, I have an issue here. I'm just wondering to like a, a person going through that because it could be scary here. You have this passion and now you've got an issue with that passion and you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid that you would have to give it up or, or who knows, but it sounds like Ben friends creates a space that you you can talk about it you can explore it you can get support you know i'm going to go back i lost my first restaurant to alcoholism and it was a nightclub dinner house and i refused to allow myself to be stripped of the industry i loved um and so i went to waiting tables but i realized i couldn't do the nightclub bar scene and so I made a conscious decision to go into fine dining. But to go into fine dining, I needed to know wines. And literally, I read every book I could on wines. And on my bedstand, nightstand, there would be the big book of AA. And then they'd be exploring wines in the Wine World Encyclopedia. And I couldn't tell anybody in AA about it. I would imagine how hard that would be. But I go back to at the beginning when we talked about making a decision. Once you make a decision and that decision flows through your being, 
that you can no longer drink if you want to live the life you want to live, then it's just an obstacle. Today, Ben's Friends gives people who are struggling with that obstacle a place to talk about it where they're not judged. We have a new kid who's working towards his master sommelier. He's got to taste wines every day. Mm -hmm. And even though we told him to take a break, and even though I'm not really sure it's that smart, he's sipping and spitting, sipping and spitting, and he is coming to Ben's friends every day, talking about it, talking about, you know, I thought about taking that one or, you know, just for a minute, I almost swallowed it. And you know what? He's succeeding because of the community we've created. To be able to give him that support in, in a way where people will understand and, and let him go through his own process, but also welcome him in and have compassion for what he's struggling with. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Wow, really being able to meet people where they're at. And I imagine also that, you know, like you said earlier, these are unique challenges. And when you're in this industry in unique situations and being able to talk to other people that really understand that can feel so supportive. You, you just don't feel alone. I mean, I see that over and over again in the treatment of all kinds of addictions when, when people can talk about it and connect with others and they can feel heard, understood, that that's where change happens. I, I, well, as I said at the beginning, we... You know, it is literally, I could not have gotten sober without the help of others. For six years, from the time I was 24 to the time I was 30, I tried countless times. I tried every cure, with my favorite, by the way, being three bottles of NyQuil. And then I'd say, oh, I was able to sleep and I didn't I didn't drink last night. Right, you know? right, right. But Nothing happened in my personal journey to growth, assuming I've grown, without other people understanding what I was going through and being there. The shared commonality to me, you know, I, I, I listen, I know you're a therapist, and, and honestly, I do everything in my power to keep life as simple as possible. I listen to young people, you know, reading every self-help book and doing every different thing. It's not for me. What's for me is conversations with other people who understand. They give me the support. They give me the strength. And at the beginning of this thing, I had every other addiction to in the book. I was a smoker, I was a drinker, I was a drugger, I was a compulsive gambler, I had a sex addiction. Now, the only thing I feel I have an addiction to, and I control it because of my wife, is sugar, um, which I know is terrible, but I like a little sweets. But right, I couldn't right. have stopped any of those with my mind alone and my willpower alone. 
I needed help from others. And that's what Ben's Friends is doing, providing help to F&B people around the country who can't quit their drugs and drink alone. Oh, Mickey, that, that is so well said. And I, I so much appreciate you coming onto the podcast and sharing your story. I'd like to ask one question at the end for every guest that comes on. If someone's out there listening, they're struggling, and you could say one thing to them, what would you tell them? Reach out. Reach out. Reach out and ask for help. Awesome. Awesome, Mickey. That That is so great. One of the things I do when I start, somebody starts sober, this is really corny, and your guests will know how old I am, but I already told them. I send people music every morning because music is part of my wellness. And I always do the four tops, reach out and I'll be there because I needed to know that there was somebody there when I needed help. Absolutely. Mickey, where can people find more information about Ben's Friends? Ben'sFriendsHope.com Ben's Friends National on Instagram. Type in Google Ben's Friends, we will pop up. And I thank everybody who listened and to anybody who is struggling or knows somebody struggling in our industry, my industry, F&B, food and beverage. Please, we will drop anything, everything to help them if they reach out. Uh, thank you so much, Mickey, for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast. It was my honor. Truly a pleasure to meet you and nice talking to you. And thank you for helping us spread the message. You got it. Take care, buddy. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. And you can find out all the information about Ben's friends there. And I'll put all the links in the show notes. Don't forget, if you are enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. It really does help people find the show. And I really do appreciate it. And if you want to continue the conversation online, think about joining our Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast, click join, and you can continue the conversation online there and get more support. All right, everyone, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I will talk to you on the next episode. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 
drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.